Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, we come to you this morning and we come into your house asking ourselves where we have put you today. Have we put you in that first position in our life? Have, you, have we put you in our side pocket? Have we tried to walk this path alone? As we contemplate that this morning, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us to see your movement in our life. I pray, Lord, that you would come into this building this morning, and as we look at your word, that you would come alive to us in a very unique and special way. I pray, Lord, that we didn't come here just to fill a pew for an hour, that we came to meet with you. And that's a whole different place to be in our faith. And Lord, if we did come to fill a pew, I pray that you would make that uncomfortable. That we would recognize your hand in our life this morning and begin to make changes that would improve our relationship with you. Your scripture reminds us that it's not all cozy and warm, and yet there's maturity to be had in the uncomfortable. There's maturity to be had in the suffering of our lives. And thank you, Lord, that this is not all there is. For if it was, it would be hopeless. But our hope is not in just today. Our hope is in eternity to follow. And there should be excitement in that. And so, Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I pray it would be powerful because you are a powerful and mighty God. You are a God who loves us, each and every one of us, very intimately. Who cares over us. Who desires a relationship so close that every moment is spent together. Lord, may that be where we head this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning's scripture is out of James 5. You may remember that before I went on vacation, we did James 3, and then we did James 4. And I thought, well, it would only be fair to finish up James before we move on to somewhere else. So there, uh, if you know much about James, you know that uh, the whole idea of James is to find joy and contentment and it, somehow to find good in the face of bad, in the face of struggles. And that's where we're at in chapter 5, verse 7. And there are three Ps that I want you to pay attention to. We'll be talking about them. So verse 7, we're going to go through verse 7 through 20. It says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop? Patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm. Because, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance, and you have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. 
Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or earth or anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make them the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even though, even as we are, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the harvest gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring you that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. May God add his blessing as we continue singing this morning. Be seated. You ready, Lou? He was ready when we started praying. I know. It's coming. There it is, buddy. <laughs> I missed that, you know. I had two weeks of not seeing any little kids running around like crazies. It was good. Well, you saw little kids. I did. I did see some little kids, yes. Hey, I'm back. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. You came back, so that's a good sign, right? <laughs> uh, I will say that uh, going was easier than coming back. I was up at like 3 o'clock this morning thinking it was 4 in the afternoon. Uh, my body hasn't figured that out yet, uh, so it about, it's about, let's see, it'll be 10 o'clock in the evening, so if I fall asleep today, <laughs> wake me up when I'm done, all right? Uh, I don't think that'll happen, but if it does, uh, so yeah, if you see me and, or Amy, you got, we've got a ton of pictures and a ton of stories and I'm sure I said I jokingly said to someone there'll be great sermon illustrations once I figure out what they are, uh, <laughs> um, but yes, uh, absolutely crazy trip, a great trip. Uh, I do want to ask a question. Uh, I got a cold somewhere. Someone gave me a. Someone was nice enough to give me a cold. So, did you guys come to church this morning to hear from God? Okay, let me, maybe I should ask it this way. Did anyone come to church today to not hear from You just came because I just want to fill that pew. I just want to stay. It's warmer in here than it is outside. I want to see my... Did, I, did you come to experience God today? How about next week? Are you planning on... I, I realize we don't know what will happen in a week, right? But I want to know if your plan is, do you, come, you plan to come next week to experience God? Are you planning to come... Um, with all the intentions of hearing from God next Sunday morning at 8.30. Is that a, is, is, can we agree that that's where we're at? Okay, so, so I'm going to ask you to do something that maybe you've never done before. It's not that hard. 
It's not that hard. We are going to spend four weeks, the next four weeks, in Jonah. You probably remember that story, right? Jonah and the big fish, or you like, Veggie Tales made it famous, right? No. <laughs> Might have been famous before that, right? We're going to spend four weeks in Jonah. There are four chapters in Jonah. The most verses, I think it's in chapter 2 or verse or 16 verses. The other two chapters are 10, and one chapter is 11. So I'm going to ask you to do me a favor and find some time during this week, and I'll try, to, I'll try to get a hold of Cindy. We'll try to get it on Facebook too, to read chapter 1, and I want you to identify one thing, and you're going to need it for next week, so it's going to look silly if I'm the only one who read it. Find one thing in that chapter 1 that's fishy. One thing in chapter one, pun intended. <laughs> Find one thing in chapter one of Jonah one that's fishy. And we're going to do this every week for four weeks. And if you've never read a scripture or a verse before in your life, you'll have at least read uh, about 48 verses in a month. So, but here's what I want you to do. I want you, I challenge you to read it at least once, but I would encourage you to read it multiple times over the week, looking for something that God is speaking into your life in the 10 verses. And, and what I'm going to ask you to do next week is not share it with the group, but on the connect card it will say, this is what I learned. And I, I, one word, one thought, one sentence. I'm going to ask not for my benefit. Understand that it's not for my benefit. It's for your benefit. Do you, if you want to hear God speak in your life, you have to do the work. Just remember that. You have to do the work. So next week, we'll be talking about something that smells, well, something that's fishy. Maybe it smells fishy. We'll see. So that was piece one. So you can just, okay, once you wrote that down, Jonah one, read it for next week. So now I got another question for you. This is for today. Have you ever found yourself at the point where you're about ready to give up? You haven't given up the will to live, but you're about ready to give up because the struggles of life have pressed you down so hard that you're just about ready to give up. Have you ever been there? Have you been there today? Not yet. <laughs> I'm willing to bet if you were, you wouldn't say it today, right? Right? If you're there today, you're not going to tell me, but that's okay because I still know I'm talking to you. Have you ever been to the point where you're just done with what's going on in the world we live today? I think it's a whole lot more uh, normal and nat natural as we go through the struggles of life, the suffering that we deal with, the, the pain in this life we have those moments when we're just about ready to give up. We've had enough, God. I've had enough. You know, we always say he won't give you more than what you can take, right? And I've met a lot of Christians who say, I, I must be right about on the end of the rope, right? I'm hanging by one thread on the end of the rope because I'm pretty sure I'm at the end of what I can take. Well, today's passage is, is in James, is, it's written to the Christians who were spread out all over the place, who had been pushed and moved 
and they were struggling. And James's message isn't all cozy and warm. In fact, in a lot of ways, it's not cozy and warm at all. Remember what it says in chapter 1 of verse, verse 2? That's why I despise James, right? Count it all joy when you face trials and struggles. Does anybody like that verse? I don't see anybody with that tattoo on their arm. I just don't get it, right? No one wants that upon their own life. Count it all joy when you face trials and struggles and problems. None of us like those in our life, right? If we're honest, we want the nice, I'd like the nice cushy road through this life. Let someone else suffer. I'll take the easy road, thank you. Now, we don't always say that, but the reality is that's what we want. No one likes to learn the hard way. No one likes to learn. But James says, listen, there's maturity to be had in that struggle. I can remember those times in my life where those struggles were very real. The very first year we were married, I, I always joke about it, the very first year we were married, we had nothing. Uh, we were very young, on our own. So much that we had, we had so little that my wife literally made the ornaments for the Christmas tree that first year. We got married in February, Christmas, so Christmas was, in it was still in December back then even. Uh, <laughs> right? So that's eight, ten months. My wife made the ornaments. She made them out of uh, extra cloth we had. We popped popcorn and we strung popcorn together. And there was nothing, I don't, I don't think there was anything really bought that was on that Christmas tree that year. And it probably looked a bit silly to the world today. But we kept some of those ornaments over the years and as we moved on in life and got a little bit more in life and things were going a little bit better and we were a little more established, and you know if, you were, uh, if you've been alive very long, you know how that works, right? You kind of start out with nothing, uh, Brentley, right? <laughs> he doesn't even have a frying pan. No, <laughs> he's working on it. <laughs> but you work your way into this being established. And I can't help but smile when I look back at those ornaments from that moment when those were homemade ornaments and there was nothing else. We didn't keep the popcorn. I think I might have ate it. I don't know. Somebody, I don't know where, you know how popcorn doesn't stay on the string? It was pathetic. But those, those struggles in our life make us who we are. And in our faith, those struggles in our life make us who we are because James says listen these struggles are not for any for they're not for uh, just for fun they're there to help you grow and to mature in your faith to grow and that's not that's not always exciting to think about or exciting to hear when we when we have those challenges in our life it's hard I did a wedding yesterday and as I was doing the marriage vows, I realized something, a couple things. People who get married, some, I don't know who wrote the vows, right? Someone wrote these nice vows to have and to hold, um, better for worse, you know, richer for poor, sickness and in health, all those. I thought whoever wrote those obviously was married a while and was trying in some way to help a brand new couple understand that they had no clue 
what they're about to get into, right? They have no, even the, those with the best intentions and the most well-meaning uh, marriage relationship have no clue what they will step into the next day or the next week or the next year or the next decade. And it's a good thing. Absolutely, Ken. I agree with you 100%. It's a good thing, right? This is where being naive is a great thing. Because maybe if we knew everything that was going to happen, it would be a tougher decision to make. I don't know. And so I think those vows are to help us like, understand that uh, there will be sickness, and there will be struggles, and there will be hard things. And yet, it's all worth it. For those who have been married uh, for a long time, we know that, that we said those vows and probably in a lot of, very naively, and yet as we watch the years go by, we realize, yeah, there was sickness and health. There was richer and poorer. There was, uh, what are the other ones? Uh, better and for worse. They should just put on there for couch <laughs> or barn, right? <laughs> if I can. It's in, but it, it reminds us that, you know, I wouldn't trade any of those things in my life, um, those experiences in my life, because they have helped me to mature. And I hope, I hope that in your life, those things have helped you to mature. And in our faith, as we are growing and stretching, those help to mature us in our faith. People who are the saints that we remember as saints of the church or saints in our life didn't get there by taking the easy road. They hung on to their faith in the very darkest, hardest struggles of life. They didn't wander from the faith when things were tough. And we know them as saints because we watch them walk the path day after day along that journey and we know they continue to be faithful. Can we count it all joy? That's the question. So today we're going to look at three P's that James is talking about here at the end of... Uh, and if you want to challenge yourself and ask yourself, how mature as a believer am I? I would challenge you to ask yourself how well you do in these three areas that begin with P. Now, I didn't know, but there's a lot of three Ps of like, there's three Ps of business, there's three Ps of this. If you Google image it, there's a million of them. So that was really good for pictures. There's lots of three Ps. I, I don't know, that must be a nice letter. That, but the first one is, uh, is patience. Uh, Patience, he talks about uh, be patient in your struggles. Be patient. i got to find my, I lost my page. Uh, there it is. It says, be patient, brothers, until the Lord's coming. Think about that for a moment. James wrote to the Christians more than 10 years ago, be patient until the Lord's coming. That wasn't last week. That wasn't last month. That wasn't last year. And we still are being patient, waiting for the Lord's coming. Patience is the ability or the capacity to accept or tolerate suffering without getting angry or upset. It's an attitude. Side note, you're either patient or you're not. Just so you know. 
Think about that for a minute. You're either patient or you're not. There is no real in-between because if you're not patient for even one moment, then you're impatient, right? He talks about a farmer being patient. A farmer working the ground in August, or August in April, right? Fertilizing it, liming it, killing the weeds. He's in April and May. Plants, plants. And being patient to see the harvest. When the farmer decides to turn that ground and plant whatever he's going to plant, doesn't matter what he plants, when he fertilizes it and limes it, he has no idea what the summer will bring. He has no idea whether it's going to be a warm summer, a cold summer, a wet summer, a dry summer, whether his plants will rot, how fast they'll grow, how slow they'll grow. And yet when he plants them in April and May, he prepares for a harvest and he patiently waits. And I don't know about you, but we've been reaping the harvest uh, this past week. I had a watermelon and a cantaloupe and some corn that someone planted in May. And they were patient to watch. It started out as a seed, and it worked to a little plant and to a bigger plant until it blossomed and made this nice little fruit that continued to grow. And in that, at the end, we have a fruit or a vegetable. And James uses that as an example to remind us that patience is required in maturity for our faith. He also talks about a sick person, uh, someone who has a physical ailment. And he talks about that sick person prays and is patient and waits for God to work. Your attitude is what determines the direction. Your patience Oops, oh, I, wanted to, I just wanted to share this because it's in our spiritual walk, it's how we deal with God. It's how, whether we trust in God with all our heart, lean on, not on our own understanding, and submit to Him, and He will make our path straight. That's where we get our patience. I want to share with you, uh, I spent a lot of time as a kid on a grape farm, grew up. Not that I know much about grapes, but I do know one thing. I can, never, I can honestly tell you that I've never seen uh, a grape vineyard not produce anything. Every year it produces something. Some years it's a bumper crop. Some years it's less. Some, a lot of years it's average, right? Every year, I can remember a couple years ago, probably about, I don't know, maybe it's been four or five, that they did a bunch of interviews. There was a late frost down in Northeast. So there was a real late frost. The blossoms had happened. They had started to uh, set. Blossoms had set. And then we had a frost. And what happened in the midst of that was a, free, a frost, when all that stuff is tender, will tend to burn it off. Um, that's why we don't plant our gardens until Memorial Day or close to it, right? Because we know that that frost will kill it. And so that frost had burned off some of the, the grapes that had set. And in the midst of that, there was a lot of like, well, there'll be no crop this year. Nothing's going to, we're not going to get any crop. There's just not going to be much crop. And yet the weeks to follow that were warm. 
and very sunny. And by the end of that summer, just like every other year, there was a great crop. So much so that some people had to run their pickers. I don't know if you know they do this once in a while. They'll run their pickers through the green grapes to knock off some grapes. When there's too many grapes in a grape vineyard, they won't ripen. So they knock them off in order to get the right amount and have a good crop that will actually ripen in time. And so that year, even though they started out with this uh, problem uh, where they were going to frost it off, they were frosted off and they weren't going to be any good. By the end of that season, they were still uh, had too many grapes. And it reminds me that in, in the same way of our life, we, we see one little thing happen and we want to make, make that the defining moment in our life. Had those farmers said, well, we lost the whole year, let's just trim them up and burn them down and be done with it. We're done. We're not going to have any grapes. No, they left them go, right? They were patient to see where God would take that. They didn't, didn't know where that would end up. And at the end, of the end of the season, they ended up having grapes just like they always would. And I wonder in our lives how often we do that. If we're willing to see where things are turning the wrong way and trust that God is still working in our life. Do we have patience? Because you either have it or you don't. I'm not great at patience, so I guess I don't have it all that much. Uh, but I'm learning patience. And I hope you're working to learn patience, to allow God to work. Isn't that what the video that we watched at the beginning, the guy's like, yeah, I want to stand still, but then I can't, right? You know, and then he's dancing around like a three-year-old. And sometimes in our lives, that's exactly how we respond to God. God, I want you to do this. I want you to take care of this. I'm going to give it up to you, and then we take it right back. Because somehow we have lost our patience. The second thing that uh, James tells us is that we need to persevere. And perseverance is an action word, a verb. It's persistence. It's doing something to, despite the difficulty or the delay. It's being single-mindedness. It's a verb. It's the way we act. We sang that song about talking about foundations about that I just couldn't help but see the picture of a, song, a strong foundation that's half rock and half sand. And we struggle in that area. We want to give it to God and then we take it back. James talks about Job, the, the story of Job. Do you know the story of Job? The guy, Job's perseverance. Here's what happens to Job in chapter 1. Job's a righteous guy, it says. But he loses everything pretty much human on this earth. And in the first chapter it says, his first servant comes in and says, your oxen and your donkeys were stolen by the neighbors. And, I, and the servants were killed and I am the only one left. And then it goes to the next verse and it says, while that first servant was still there, a second servant came in, and he said, all your sheep and servants are dead, are gone, and I am the only one who made it out to tell you about what happened. And while he's still there, the third servant comes in and says, all your camels and those servants that were with them 
are gone, and I am the only one who made it out. While that third person, so obviously right now we've got Job and three servants standing there. The fourth servant comes in and says, listen, your family, all your children were together having dinner, and the house fell in on them. And they all perished at that moment. Think about that for a moment. Job lost, he ended up losing everything that was of value except his wife. And he may have wanted to lose her further on in the scripture, right? Um, she did, she, if you don't know, she wasn't real kind to him. She said, curse God and died, Job. <laughs> you know, she was upset, and I get it, right? She had lost, they had lost everything, including all their children. They lost their ox, their donkeys, their sheep, their camels, everything that was of value in their life and their children and all in one fell swoop. Think about someone coming to you and telling you those stories, those, giving that message to you in one fell swoop. You have lost everything on this earth. That's Job. And James says, listen, this is perseverance. Trusting God in the midst of that. Trusting that God still has a plan for your life in the midst of of losing everything that has ever been uh, your life. That is perseverance. We know that, and it's 40, if you ever get a chance, if, if you're a kid, you think it says job in the scriptures, right? I spent 15 years of my life, I thought it was job. I didn't know his name was Job. It's a powerful passage because it reminds me that Job's faith continued to be strong even though he lost everything that was of this earth. He persevered. He did not lose faith. After all of this, it says, uh, and yet he did not uh, sin against God. Oh, that's my picture of Job. Sorry. Perseverance is the hard work you do after you're tired of doing the hard work you already did. Back to the James 1 passage, it says, consider it pure joy. So why do we want to persevere? We want to persevere because it, listen, look at verse 4, it says, it finishes the work that we, so we may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. Isn't that what we want in our faith? To be mature and not lacking anything. To be able to stand up for our faith and to be encouraged in it. And finally, James says, pray. Maybe one of the most cliche Christian things we do today. We talk a lot about prayer. We talk to a lot of people about prayer. We talk to a lot of people about praying about prayer. But I wanna, I'm wondering in my own life and in your life, how often we take the time to pray. James says, are you in trouble? Pray. Are you happy? Pray. Are you sick? Pray. Have you sinned? Pray. Have you wandered from the truth? Pray. Prayer is putting our feet to our faith, is it not? It helps us to mature. 
It helps us to learn from God each and every day. It helps us to, to be strengthened and encouraged, to move forward. It helps us to be powerful. One of the most uh, valuable moments in my life, in my prayer life, was a moment where I was at a different church and there were about three or four families who were really struggling. And the guys got together, and there were like three or four guys, and they got together and they said, listen, we're going to get together on a Saturday morning and we're going to go to the church and we're going to go sit at the altar and we're going to pray. There was no luncheon. There were no snacks before or after. There was nothing. Didn't even turn the lights on. But we went and we sat at the altar and we got on our hands and knees and we prayed to our God that he would work out the struggles in our life. And I will tell you that there were four men on that floor in absolute tears as they were working through the struggles of life. Understanding that God would work through our prayer time. And so I'll ask you this question. How often do you take the time to stop, to find a place, to maybe even get on your hands and knees and pray? To take the moment of time to separate yourself from this world and pray to our God. I'll ask you a tougher question. When's the last time you confided in another brother or sister in Christ about your sin or about the struggles that you're dealing with? You want to get right with God? Share that with someone who can help you be accountable. That's what he's saying in this. Confide in someone else so that they can pray as well. It's okay to share those struggles. That's not... I'm careful to say, I want to be careful to how I say this. Facebook is not bad, but when we say I'm praying for you on Facebook and we don't ever do it, that's bad, right? We want to take the time to make sure that we are praying. That we are actually taking the time to spend some time with God. I want to encourage you that I was encouraged yesterday. This is just a picture of the car, one of the pictures of the car show. Um, I was absolutely super proud of yesterday. Uh, not because it was a cool car show, not because there were a lot of cool people here, but it was about God. Yesterday was meant to be a time where people could have prayer. And I won't tell you who those people were, but I was called twice to two different spots where someone else initiated the prayer for somebody that was hurting. Someone took the time and understood the, the struggle and made sure that those people were prayed for. And I'm most proud of that because that is being the hands and feet of Jesus. It's more than just being a car show. It's more than just having some really cool cars that are all clean and shiny. It's about helping people know our Savior. And so I want to encourage you this morning. I always offer the same thing. And I think people feel like if I were to go forward, what are people going to think? What are people going to ask? Why would I be up front? 
at the altar. Obviously, my struggles are bigger than everyone else. We offer the altar for a reason because it's a chance for you to come. And yes, you can do it in your, in your pew, but it's a chance for you to come and meet with God. There are so many people here who would love to pray with you. And I want to encourage you that if, if you've got a struggle, if you're working and struggling with something that you're suffering with, that you're hurting, that you need prayer over, half the battle is helping us, helping the church know who those people are so we can pray for you. We can't pray for something we don't know about. And so I encourage you at, as we do the offering, if you have something that you are working, that God is working in your life, something, a struggle, a health concern, you're more than welcome to come to the altar. I'd love to pray with you. There are a ton of other people who'd love to pray with you. And if you haven't begun that relationship with Christ, that's a great opportunity to take a chance, to take a chance on our God. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that even in the midst of suffering and struggles and pain and sorrow and trials, that we don't walk this road alone. That we walk it side by side with you. Lord, I pray for those this morning who don't know who you are or who haven't experienced you. I pray for them. I pray, Lord, for those who are hurting today. We might not even be able to see what the hurt is or even understand it. But you already know what it is. You desire to walk alongside of us. Lord, I pray for our pride that gets in the way. Our pride that gets in the way that says, well, I don't really need you, God. I don't really need you in this piece. I'll take you in the other piece, but I don't really need you there. I pray for those who struggle in that area this morning, that you would challenge them to lay down that pride and let you work in their life. In your name we pray. Amen.